You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethlehem Temple Church in Middletown, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. burning in Bethlehem Temple. I say you can feel the power burning in Bethlehem Temple this morning. And, and just in case you missed it, we're going to give you a chance to praise God one more time on purpose. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Very, very powerful praise. And worship time we had this morning. I believe that's what it's all about. When we come together, nobody's waiting to be entertained. Nobody's waiting to be the celebrity. Wherever God wants to show up, we just say, have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. And God used the praise team and Minister John Hall today in leading us in worship and not in entertainment. If you're looking for entertainment, I'm sure there's better choirs and better praise team, but if you're looking to have an encounter with God, you are at the right place at the right time. 
to give God some glory on today. Again, we thank and praise God for all of you who have joined us today, and we thank and praise God for those of you who are watching and will be watching online, because God just has been a good God. It's uh, been a very, very busy week for many of us, trying week, but we just want to say God has still been good to us, and we praise him for that. And this morning, I want to change format somewhat, and I kind of traditionally try to on the fifth, not the fifth, but the first Sunday of each month, do a little bit of a, a, a teaching. So turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter number two. And so this format is going to be a little bit different. So if you come to hear me yell and scream, you're going to have to come back another week. Our, our preaching inspires us. But our teaching ought to inform us because we can't inspire people and they can have a zeal without knowledge. So we've got to balance out. And since uh, we're looking to do uh, in, in June some Bible classes, we'll get back to do some Bible class uh, series. We want to really deal with some teaching. And, and unfortunately, we're raising a generation that don't know God and don't know his word. And so if I just rattle through it and our preachers just rattle through it, some of the younger generation don't know Matthew from Mark, don't know Mark from Genesis. And so hopefully this will give us a little uh, of a chance to slow down and really go through God's word. If you have Philippians, say, I have it. Chapter number two, and I'm going to read in your hearing verse 13 and 14. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Notice the phrase in verse number 12 where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Another translation says, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Work it out. Tell somebody else to work it out. You got to work it out. You got to work it out. And if I miss it, my thought or my context is working out what he's already worked in us. And that's what we talked about in our uh, Christian education Sunday school lesson we kind of got on this subject because God has put something in us right. now we got to work it out that's where I'm going Father in the name of Jesus we thank you Lord for this day we thank you Lord for this opportunity that you've given us now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O Lord my strength and my redeemer and all God's people say Amen, Amen. One more time, tell your neighbors to work it out. As I get a little older, anybody getting a little old in one minute? I find myself spending more time reflecting upon my upbringing and the values that were passed down to me. In contrast to this modern culture that we're living in. Just to name a few, our Christian faith and how that that was passed down to us by our forefathers, our grandmothers, and even folk in the community. 
We grew up in a time where even people of the secular society reverence the Christian faith. I remember a time here in this town where on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, downtown Middletown would close up. Anybody remember those times? Where they closed down so people could get ready for church. And I remember uh, it wasn't no debate in my family whether it was Little League or church. <laughs> Little League would lose. We was going to be in church. And we've lost those values that brought people into the house of God. And instead of uh, our children nowadays, uh, somebody brought it up in our Christian development class again. Our children are going through things we never thought possible because we have taken God of, out of our society. But one of the other things that I wanted to focus on, one of the values, is that our parents and forefathers, they passed down to us a great work ethic. Can you say amen? Amen. Man, they put, us, put in us work. We started when we was young, whether it was a paper route or selling candy for the Boy Scouts or our uh, peewee football team, and we learn to work at a very young age. And sometimes you go in the stores today, you say, where's customer service? They out there on their phones. They in the back room smoking. And, and, and some places you go to eat and you see them, you say, I don't know whether I want to eat this or not. Because they have lost, for the most part, a culture that have lost its work ethic. They don't know the value of work. Now, when I talk about work, Paul says here, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when I say work, what comes to mind? I'm not talking about an occupation, but just work in general. What are some of the terms come to your mind? Yes. Putting in an effort. Putting in an effort. That's good. Labor. Labor. Good. Responsibility, good. Anyone else? Trying, good. All of these things have to play into this ideal of work. Now, according to Webster, work means to perform or to fulfill duties, regularly for wages or salary. It talks about to perform or carry through a task requiring effort. We talked about that one. To exert oneself physically, mentally, emotionally, in a sustained effort to accomplish a purpose. Lastly, it talked about to function or operate according to a plan or design. Now in this text, Paul says, work out your soul's salvation with fear and trembling. And I don't want to get it twisted. That's why, again, I didn't want to force this one. Because when Paul says, work out your soul's salvation, I want to first address what he's not talking about. Now, when he says, work out your soul's salvation, he's not talking about you have to earn your salvation. Anybody here earn their salvation? Anybody good enough to say, I merit you dying for me? Anybody here that good and dotted every I, crossed every T? None of us can say that we fall into that Category. So Paul is not saying that we've got to work our way to salvation. We brought it uh, up in our Christian education where Jesus says, I am the door. Right. 
In other words, being the door, he is the access to God. And we talked about many people want to get to God, but they don't want to go through Jesus. But Jesus says, I am the way, not a way. I am the way. He says, I am the door, not a door. And so he says, no man can come to the Father except they come through me. Now, I know that this is going to rub some folk the wrong way because they're going to say, y'all so narrow-minded and y'all saying out of all of the other religions that are out there, you're saying Jesus is the only way? I'm saying I'm going by what the Word of God says, and it says Jesus is the only way. If I was a betting man, and I don't, I would put all my chips on Jesus. If I had a wager to put down, I wouldn't put uh, 20% on Jesus and 20% on this one and 20% on that one and hope I hit the right path. With Jesus, it's either do or die, live, or I don't make it because Jesus is the one that I'm putting all my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations for, for eternal life, and none of these other fellas or women are going to do. Paul says... Work out your salvation. Now notice what he says here. He's not saying that you find your own way to salvation. He doesn't say you earn your way to salvation. What does Ephesians 2 tell us? For by grace you're saved. Somebody tell me what grace is. This is not great theological. Unmerited favor. So grace is God unmerited for favor, a merited favor, God giving us what we could never earn. You could never earn salvation, but God gave it to us anyway. Can you say amen? So it's not about how many hoops you got to jump through. It's not about how many tasks you accomplish in life. God saved us by his grace, and I'm so glad he did. But not only that, when you have Jesus, you have everything you need for salvation. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus and you need a supplement. It's not Jesus and you got to have a backup plan just in case Jesus don't work. Jesus says, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In other words, Jesus is all you need. Let me say it this way. When it relates to salvation, when you have Jesus, you got everything you need. Say, I got everything I need. And so you don't have to run and try to find another experience. Don't let me hurt your feelings. You don't have to run and try to get a revelation under a tree somewhere. You don't have to go up into the mountain so you can have an encounter with the Father. Jesus says, if you got me, you know the Father. Oh, y'all have got to get with me here. So what we want to focus on the fact is that our salvation is in three tenses. And if you have heard me preach the last six weeks, eight weeks, probably this year, I focus mostly on one aspect of salvation, and that is justification. And if you didn't hear me or know my uh, theological views, you would think that in uh, justification, God does it all and we don't have nothing else to do. But that's not true. 
Justification is just one phase of our salvation. Can you say amen? amen. Now what is justification? Justification is an act where God declares a believing sinner righteous based off of what Christ done on the cross. In other words, when we are born again of water and spirit and we put our faith in him, we are justified. It's immediate. It happens right then and right there at that particular time. Now, when we look at justification, it involves two things. First of all, it involves the remission of sins. What Jesus tells us in Acts, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. So justification involves the removing of sin, taking away the sin debt. But what I love about it, sometimes we think we're saying he only took away our sin debt. But justification not only talks about the sin debt, but it, he imputes righteousness to us. In other words, he doesn't just undress us, he puts clothes back on us. In other words, he don't take away our sin debt and still leave our bank account uh, with nothing in it. He doesn't take away our sin debt if it, for example, was $100 and all of a sudden he removes it out of our account and we still broke. No, he takes the sin debt and washes away our sin, but then he imputes his righteousness. In other words, when, when I die, his righteousness is going to make up a difference. And if it wasn't for his imputed righteousness, Yes, he forgave me. Yes, he washed away my sin. But don't you know, each and every day, I need to be clothed with his righteousness. What does Paul say? Paul says, dress in his righteousness. Alone, that's what the song said. I'm faultless to stand before the throne. Because it's Christ removing sin. But not only that, he imputes righteousness. How many glad to know that he imputed righteousness? And that's why we can stand and come before a holy God because I'm not dressed in my righteousness. I'm not clothed in my intellect. I'm not clothed in what I know and what I've done. But because he imputed righteousness to me, when God looks at me, he don't see me. He sees me clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm just as righteous as Jesus was. I know to a lot of y'all that was blaspheming, but that's the word of God. So when we look at it, then we find out the second phase is where I'm going to spend most of my time at today. Because, again, we've dealt with justification pretty well in the past. Now, sanctification. What is sanctification? Y'all sanctified, aren't you? <laughs> it means to be set apart. Very good. Anyone else? Yes. That's where we play a part. Good. Sanctification is that process. Remember, it's a process. Justification is an act. It's a process where we separate ourselves. That which was sanctified in the Old Testament was set apart. It was pulled aside. And he says we are sanctified, which means that sanctification process we've got to allow to work out in our lives. Can you see it now? Yes, we're saved. But that's not the end of the story. We've got to work out some stuff in our lives so that we can become to look like Jesus. 
and the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we deal with people, that's sanctification. Because we are righteous. Now we got to learn to live it out. Now we got to learn how to become what we already or what he's already placed in us. Now when we look at it again, sanctification is that process of what we are in Christ. It involves pulling off old habits. It involves dealing with our old nature. It involves dealing with backbiting, things like that. And, and, and I stated, sanctification is a process that we're going to be going through, working through, until Jesus comes or we go to the grave. Justification is, is an act where sanctification is a process. And, and sanctification is like this. If you're dealing with the same things that you're dealing with now, that you dealt with 20 years ago, I wonder about the sanctification process in your life. We're going to always be dealing with something, but we shouldn't be dealing with the same thing over 30 years. we got to get some victory somewhere. That's sanctification. Now, when we look at it, I'm going to make a quick comparison. Justification is not about the change of nature. It's a change of status. So from when we're justified, we... Our status changed from being a sinner to a saint based off of what Christ did for us on the cross. Now, in justification, we're declared righteous. Now, watch this. In sanctification, we can become righteous. You remember what Paul says? He says we got to learn how to what? Mortify or kill the deeds of our flesh. When our flesh wants to rise up, We've got to recognize that this is not of the fruit of the Spirit. Even the great apostle Paul, if you look at Romans chapter 7, he says, when I want to do good, when I want to pray, when I want to fast, when I want to help somebody, when I want to do what's right, he says, there's something in me that wants to do evil. So Paul says, therefore, oh wretched man that I am, who can save me from the death? And so then Paul focused later on in chapter 8 on the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So therefore, in the process of sanctification, we become more like him. Um, we, that word mortification, we get the same, our English term, uh, mortuary from, it means to kill. Now, when we think about it, if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But through the spirit, if we do mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. Now, when we understand this, then, Peter tells us that we ought to be growing. How many know you, you ought to be growing? Our Christian life is not stagnant. It's not we're still in the starting blocks. It's not we still... Dealing with a lot of stuff in the past. What does Hebrew tell? He says, leaving the principles of the doctrine. In other words, don't stay where you are. God has put something in us that he wants to work out in our lives. He didn't go to the cross so we could sit in padded pews. He didn't go to the cross so we could pat each other on the back and give our testimony. He didn't go to the cross so we could talk about 
Uh, I've been saved all day and I'm glad. But he went to the cross. He gave the Holy Spirit. He put it in us. Now he wants us to submit to that Holy Spirit and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. See, justification is what God does for us. Sanctification is what God is doing in us. See, when people change from the inside out, it's meaningful change. That's why you can't legislate holiness. You say, well, you got to do this and you got to wear this and now That's outer conformity. But when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside, there's some things you just won't do. There's some places you won't go. There's certain conversations you won't engage in. Not because you're afraid the police don't catch you. Not because you're afraid your mama gonna hear you. It's because you love him more than anything. How many ever been there? I'm not doing this because I'm afraid I'm gonna get caught. I'm not even afraid that the other consequence, but because I love you more. When I look back and see what you've done for me, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his goodness? So it's working in us. It's working in us. It's working in us. When we look at it, this text says, well, God is working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now again, at justification, Christ accepts us as we are. Say, as we are. So when people come to Christ, God's got to clean them up. We accept them, and he accepts them as you are. But watch this. He did not die for you to stay where you are. They shall have a son, and it shall, his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save them from their sins, not in their sins. In other words, sanctification, you cannot stay where you came in at. I don't know if I can recall the illustration, but a little boy was sleeping in bed and he fell out of bed and his mother came and said, you know, why do you keep falling out of bed? And the boy said, I just keep falling out of bed. She said, well, you stayed too close to where you came into. Some of that nature. In other words, you went to the edge of the bed. You never got on. You never moved on. And oftentimes we fall because we don't grow. We don't progress. We don't move forward. We sit back and say, God, you're going to do everything. But God put something in us to work out. God has put goals and uh, purpose in us to work it out. God wants to do more in our lives than for us to come to church and just sit around and say how good we are. God says, I want you to work it out in your community, work it out in your job, work it out in your family. Tell your neighbors you got to work it out. <laughs> William Evans one day said of Billy and Ruth Graham, they were driving through a long stretch of road construction. And they had numerous shutdowns and detours and uh, uneven pavements that was before them. The sign caught Ruth's attention. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. She commented that those would be the words fitting inscription on her tombstone one day. In, in other words, 
Right now, sanctification is that we are under construction. How many know you're in a process? That's why you don't have to give up on God. You don't have to give up on yourself. I don't care what folks say, what they know about you, because God is not done with you yet. Say what you will. I'm a work in progress. Talk about me if you want, but God's not done with me yet. Say God could never use me, but get out of my way, because God can ready to do something else. And when God said, if I'm for you, I'm more than the world is against you, don't wait for the appeal or the affirmation from people. Don't wait for your social network. Say God is going to use you. Just realize God put something in you to work it out of you. So this phrase that Paul used, he talked about work out. It means to bring to flourish. It means to complete. And actually in the Greek, is an imperative. He says, keep on working out your salvation. In other words, there should never be a time when we think, I've made it. There will never be a time. And, and I love what Paul said. He says, work out your salvation. We have a notion in church, we watch everybody else but our own lives. We can tell you about Johnny and Sue and Pete. But James says, we got to stop by the mirror. And look at ourselves. And not measure ourselves by ourselves, but measure ourselves by the word of God. And when we measure ourselves by the word of God, we say, Lord, be patient with me. Because you're not through with me yet. I, I love the Psalms. And, uh, I think it's Psalm 33. David got himself in, in, in some trouble. And I prayed this prayer. Where I, what, where I was supposed to be. And I said, Lord, spare me to our recovery. Anybody ever had to pray that? Yes. Anybody ever been in a place where they shouldn't have been? Yes. Can I get some real focus? Yes. yes. Anybody ever missed the mark? Yes. Anybody ever come short and made mistakes? Yes. And you cannot plead your goodness. You can't plead how faithful I've been. Lord, just spare me to our recovery. I know I ain't right. Yes. I know I need mercy. Yes. I know I need grace. Yes. I need your forgiveness. Yes. I can't stand on my own. I need you, Lord. Yes. Yes. Somebody needs to say, Lord, spare me. Because I want to be saved. I want to be right. I want to be ready when he comes. Spare me. When the enemies are throwing stones at me, spare me. When my mind is divided and I feel like I can't keep it together, spare me. When I feel like losing and I feel like driving my car into another car, or I feel like going out there and getting somebody, spare me, Lord. Because they that wait upon the Lord, He's going to renew your strength. You're going to mount up with wings like an eagle. You're going to ride and not be weary. 
to walk in my faith. I know you might be tired now, but be he steadfast, unmovable, always working in the work of the Lord. Know that your work is not in vain in the Lord. Work it out. I know you get tired. I know sometimes it looks like other people are prospering around you. And it seems like those who uh, uh, defy your name is getting ahead in advantage. But always remember that they have a day and we have a day. And God is going to turn that thing around. God allows you to be put on a platform so everybody can see so when he comes by, it won't be any question how you made it. It'll be God was on their side. That's how they made it. As I try to bring it in on the land, what does it mean for Bethlehem to First of all, our theme for this year is ministry beyond the four walls. Amen. That says that I ought to be spending time in service for the Lord. Amen. See, and, and don't let me feel, and it may have just been me. We grew up in a time where I spent most of my time trying to stay safe. Amen. And I was no good for nothing else. Oh, come on. I spent my whole life early like trying to be safe. Jump through the hood. I can't go here. Can't watch this movie. Can't do that. And I spent all my time trying to be justified, and I was already justified. There was nothing else I could have done to make myself more saved other than being saved. Now I can rest in what he's already done. I can rest in the completed work that he's already done for me. Now it's not so much trying to stay safe. Now it's to work out what he's already worked in me. Say working out what he's worked in me. In other words, sanctification is the fruit of you being saved. And if you're saved, there's got to be some fruit associated with it. For faith without works is dead. What does it mean for Bethlehem Temple? It means ministry behind the forward. But it also, Mr. Kyle spoke about the coming, the coming revival. That's not going to come because of justification. That's going to become because of sanctification. That's going to become because we're working out the gifts. We're working out God's purpose. We're working out the callings that God has on our lives. We're working out ministries. We're taking it to the streets. We're taking it to the school rooms. We're taking it to our community. We're working out what he's already put in us. God's got a gift in you. God's got something he's called all of us to do. And it's more than just trying to stay safe. That's justification. You can be no more saved than you are now. 
But sanctification is a process. As with Job said, when I come forth, I shall come forth as pure gold. And as long as you stay with him, you're going to come out of it. Jeremiah had a prophecy where he saw the potter working on a piece of clay. And that clay was us. Been damaged, been beaten, was marred. But in all of the transaction with the potter and the clay, the clay never left his hands. Oh, y'all didn't get that. You might go through your ups, downs, ends, out, emotional high, emotional low, don't know where your emotions are, but as long as you're in his hands, he is making something, he's molding something, he's forming us in the image, not of Bethlehem temple, not of some bishop, not of some prayer, but he's forming us that when we get done, we'll look like Jesus. And just, just in case y'all don't know, when we talk about looking like Jesus, that means we got to love like Jesus. Amen. I was getting quiet now. We got to forgive like Jesus. Amen. We got to reach out to folk like Jesus. Amen. We can't have our nose up in the air. Right. We got to learn how to act yes. and treat people right yes. if the revival is going to come for us. God has put something in us that we got to work out. Yes. It's not for your salvation is because of your salvation. Amen. Get that? What he put in us to work out is not for salvation, it's because of salvation. Again, in my closing, a lot of things that we did coming up, we had the wrong motive. Yes. We was in church just about every day. Oh, y'all think I'm fine now. Man, Sunday, sometimes we had church three times a day. Yes, it's Sunday school, morning service, afternoon service, and they expect you to be there. I remember the time that if you didn't testify, folks thought you weren't saved. Some of y'all been there. Oh, that's the way it was. And I'm saying, I'm not lying, I'm just saying we did it for the wrong motives. We did it, in some cases, to be saved. Because if you don't do it, you ain't saved. We should have been doing it because I'm already saved. There's a difference. What I'm doing now in preaching, not to try to be more saved than minister God way, I'm doing it because I am saved. Because I, my response is I'm doing it because I love it. How can I hold back my gift? How can I hold back my talent? How can I hold back anything because of the gift that he given us when he died on the cross? Tell your neighbor, work it out. He said, let your light shine before me. Of your good work. And he says, all of a sudden, men are going to what? They're going to see. In other words, you're going to work it out. This is my conclusion, really, this time. People today is in a culture where they want to see authenticity. Don't tell me about your doctrine. Show me how you live it. Don't tell me how you love Jesus. Show me how Jesus loved. Because Jesus ain't coming down other than through our hands. 
through our feet, through our mouthpiece. Show me the difference you can make. Show me. If Christ is so good and the Holy Spirit is so good, let it work in you and minister to other people. At this time, please stand on your feet. Tell the Lord to work it out. You're going to work it out for the name of the Lord. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.